0: Reading from Deuteronomy 8, take care that you do not forget the Lord your God by failing to keep his commandments, his ordinances or his statutes, which I am commanding you today. When you've eaten your fill and have built fine houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks have multiplied and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then do not exalt yourself forgetting the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrible wilderness an arid wasteland with poisonous snakes and scorpions. He made water flow for you from flint rock and fed you in the wilderness with manna that your ancestors did not know to humble you and to test you And in the end, to do you good. Do not say to yourself, my power and the might of my own hand have gotten me this wealth. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, so that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your ancestors, as he is doing today. May God bless the reading and hearing of his holy word. Amen. Last week, Josh talked to you about humility, about being humble enough to recognize that we aren't the source of what we have. We aren't the source of our gifts. We aren't the source of who we are. He made this statement, it doesn't take long before pride starts transforming God's blessings into things we think we have created. What he's pushing against is that myth, and and he's doing it. What he's pushing against is that myth of the self-made man, this idea that I have done this myself. Only the truly arrogant, prideful, foolish person can believe that, that he or she is the reason he or she is having success. Peyton Manning wouldn't have a single touchdown to his credit. Did he not have, were he not to have someone to throw the ball to who could catch it? And he wouldn't be able to throw the ball at all if somebody or multiple bodies were in front of him on the line and and even he wouldn't have gotten to that point without some coaches and some trainers and some teachers all along the way getting him to where he could make those passes and let's not forget that it sure seems God has given him a little extra talent and a little extra drive to be able to succeed in the way he does. There's, there's, there's no one you can point to as a success who we couldn't line up person after person and say they helped that one get there. You and I, if we are succeeding at anything, or succeeding because person after person have helped us get to where we are, we're also succeeding because we were given nutrition, when our brains and our bodies were forming. We're succeeding because when we needed hugs, when we needed encouragement, there were people there who provided those for us. If we are succeeding, it's because there have been teachers in our lives who have shown us how to do things and encouraged us as we were trying to do those things. If you can put a sentence together, If you can read a spreadsheet, if you can operate a machine, then there are many people you need to thank. You did not get here alone. And individual names for each of us will be different, but we all have these persons that we need to be thinking of, and they all get back to the same source of what we have, what we're able to do, which is, of course, God. Whatever good we have, whatever good we are able to do is a gift from God. None of that is news to you, I don't think. But sadly, we forget. We forget to acknowledge the source behind all that we have. And so that's why Deuteronomy spends this time telling us to remember. This read, what I read to you today begins take care that you do not forget the Lord your God. Now, one of the ways, I think, that we remember is by doing things that remind us. That's brilliant. You better write that down. One of the ways we remember is by doing things that remind us. Your being here is a way to be reminded. It's a way to remember. I'm on this committee, and we uh, evaluate people who feel like they've been called into ordained ministry. And so we were together recently. uh, A guy had submitted some written work, and he was talking about Holy Communion. And he said, Holy Communion is personal and emotional. And I said to him, that is fine, so long as it is. But what happens when Holy Communion is not personal and emotional? Is Holy Communion no longer valid if you're not feeling it? Jesus, when he gathered together his disciples and he he picked up that bread and he picked up that cup, he said to them, this is my body, this is my blood. Eat this bread, drink this cup in remembrance of me. And he never once said, as long as you're feeling it. He said, eat it. He said, drink it. I'll tell you, there's sometimes I'm feeling it. More than other times. There's sometimes when I do it because it's a reminder. It's just something we've been told to do. We come to worship and and we hope to get something out of it, and sometimes we think that's the reason we're here. And, And I want to tell you, I hope you get something out of being here, but that's not the reason we're here. We're here to honor God. We're here to remember the story of of who God is and what God has done and what God is doing in our lives. And, And we hope we will experience something that will move us and that we will feel something in the process. But that is not the primary reason we come to a place like this. We are here so that we won't forget. It's one of the reasons we read the Bible. So that we won't forget. Some of you have have done a good job over the course of your life trying to read through the Bible and you you might have started out in Genesis and said, I'm going to make my way through the Old Testament and and you started working through it and and you read along and you got through Exodus and then you got into some of the next books and you said, I think I just read this. And then you read a little bit more and you're like, "I know I just... like, Like just a book ago, I read the same. And then if you were really diligent, you got to the Psalms. You read one of those long psalms and you thought, I didn't have to read all that. I could have just read this psalm. And It's like the cliff Notes version of all that I've just read. The Bible tells us over and over again this same story. This same story of the Exodus. This same story of God moving God's people out of slavery. Now, I can tell you it's not because the people who put the Bible together were looking for filler. They weren't wasting precious papyrus so that they could get some word count. If it's in the Bible, it's important. If it's in the Bible a lot, it's really important. They wanted us to know our story, to remember our story. We were enslaved. We were slaves in slavery. God saved us. Our people were... In Egypt, God came and brought us out. We were not free. God redeemed us over and over again. The Bible is telling us we needed saving. And God did it. Do not forget it. Don't forget to tell your children. In fact, every year have this meal. Every year have a supper where you tell each other this story of God coming in to when we were stuck in Egypt And God brought us out. Remember your story. God instructs us in the Bible, do not forget. You remembered to cry out when you were in slavery and God heard and and, and God did not forget you. And God set you free. You remembered to cry out when you were wandering in the wilderness and you did not know what you eat and did not know what you would drink and God set you free and God gave you some manna, this bread from heaven and God gave you this water from the rock. Do not forget. You remembered to cry out when you were on your way to something better. Don't forget, God, now that you have something better. And don't be so foolish as to think you're the reason you have something better. Josh talked about humility last week. It's humility that gives us enough awareness, enough sense of our place in the world to realize that we are not the source, that there is another source of our salvation, another source of our hope, another source of of all that we have. But sadly, our tendency is to only recognize that when we're in times of trouble. On September 16th, 2001, the nation's churches were packed. By October of 2001, we were back to our regular worship habits. In times of of fear and anxiety, we know to rush to this place in times of goodness, We sometimes forget. Some of you are old enough to remember um, the old emergency boxes on the walls in case of emergency break glass, right? Up on the wall, there was a glass behind it. If you broke it, then you could set off the alarm. My concern is that some people treat God like that. So God blends into the background. We're not really sure exactly where the box is. We're glad to know the box is somewhere. If I have an emergency... I'll go find the box and break the glass. And I'm glad that people recognize that at least God is somewhere out there. But I don't think that's... Well, it makes me sad. It makes me sad to think that that's the full understanding they have of God. It makes me sad to think that the the only time they remember God is when they're desperate. God isn't just there for us when we're enslaved, or starving, or thirsty, or racked with grief. There's maybe the times when we remember that God is there, but God is also there when we don't acknowledge it. God. God is here, God is as close as our next breath, whether we acknowledge God's presence or not. That's why it's good we come to a place like this. Not just when we're desperate. Not just on a Sunday after a national tragedy. Not just on a Sunday after our own personal crises. It's good we come on a regular day to remember. To remember that God is still here. The day after Jesus took that bread and blessed it and gave it to his disciples and said, eat this in remembrance of me. And then took that cup and blessed it and gave it to his disciples and said, drink this in remembrance of me. The day after that, Jesus was on a cross. And Luke tells us he was there between two criminals. And there was one criminal who mocked him. If you are the Messiah, save yourself and us. If you will help me out of my situation, then maybe I'll give you some attention. But then there was this other criminal, and he sensed something else about Jesus. He sensed that his kingdom was going to come in a way that that hadn't happened before. It wasn't going to be about the power of weapons or through magic, That his kingdom would come through the power of God. And so instead of asking Jesus to take care of his situation right now, he says, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. We come to a place like this and we come here so that we will remember God and remember God's story and and hopefully find ourselves in God's ongoing story, how God has, has laid out something for us to do so that we can be part of God's continuing work in our lives, a continuing work of freedom and liberation and salvation. We come to a place like that to remember it and then we're reminded that God remembers us. I can't tell you some of my 10th grade teachers' names. No offense to those teachers. I can't tell you some of those, and God remembers me. Seven billion people in this world, and God remembers you. However many who have come before, God remembers We come into a place like this because we need to remember God and then we find out God remembers us. There's a song, a chant, that's part of the Tizé community in France. We've kind of adopted it as part of our hymnal. And the point of a chant is to get lost in the singing of the words, that they become sort of part of our subconscious, and then we can experience something in the midst of doing the chanting. The, the chant is the, the simple as those words from the second criminal on the cross, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Stuart and Johnny are going to help us to, to sing that. And we're going to sing it enough that I hope We'll get lost in the singing part. We won't think about what we're supposed to be singing. But instead, we will remember the God who will never forget us.